This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about a certain way that people are talking. Um, we're talking about shit talking. Okay. So it's going to be a PG 13 episode. Okay. So if you can't handle that word, you might not want to listen to this. We're not going to say poo talking and we're not, (laughs) there's no other way to use this phraseology. I tried talking shenanigans talking. Could you imagine that mumbly word? (laughs) shenanigans talking? Yeah, no, it's, it's shit talking. It is what it is. There's no other way to utilize that phrase. Malarkey. <laughs> See, but even that is like a slightly different connotation because that means like bullshit, right? Like that oh. means like you're like making stuff up. Okay, right? but That's I just like, had to say it. So I don't care. <laughs> I just, like, <laughs> but wait, hold on. What's that one swear word in? Isn't it in like Great Britain? That's an actual swear word. Like bloody is an actual bloody. swear word. Yeah. It is. So sorry to our UK listeners. We just dropped a bad one. Is it actually though? Like what is the equivalent? I don't know. What is the equivalent? How can we know that? We've been told that. So can our UK listeners let us know? Yeah, we also guys, we ranked on Great Britain. Somebody from Great Britain is listening. So we want to hear from you. You guys get email us or DM us. We want to hear from you. Um, But genuinely Harry Potter movies. So it can't be that. It just can't. But doesn't like in Harry Potter movies, don't they have to rate it like PG? Oh, no, probably not when someone says, oh, bloody hell. That's probably PG, right? I don't know. Is bloody hell a non-PG word? I, I think it anyway. is. It is to us in America. We, we talking <laughs> shit talking. All right. We're talking shit talking. Okay. So, so what is it? What yeah. is, what is, what do we mean by this? What are we talking about? What is shit talking? I mean... I feel like it can take on so many different variations. One of the things that I think we probably should kind of hold space for, for a little bit is like a lot of people think like shit talking is, oh, well, you know, someone's bothering me and I'm just going to kind of like drag them through the mud and I'm just going to kind of, you know, sit here and dwell on something. And so genuinely, you know, do we actually differentiate between complaining and shit talking? And this is what Mm -hmm. I think we want to actually make space for in the episode is we want to kind of break down some of the ways, right? What, because in theory, all of these are variations of processing. One of the ways that we'll get to will lead to authentic connection and healing, some of the other ways we're going to show you um, may actually lead to like looping or almost like getting in a stuck phase. So we do want to kind of talk about that. So I I'm kind of phrasing it as, you know, you're expressing yourself, you're expressing yourself in a very particular way. And depending on that way, it's going to differentiate between shit talking, complaining, pain processing, you know, actual authentic connection with what's wrong or wounds that you're carrying. Yes, exactly. Um, so, and I think there also needs to be like a slight, like nuanced variation or, uh, what's the word I'm looking for a differentiation. That's the word I was looking for, um, between like venting, which is kind of like a temporary 
like release of like all this like pent up, like, like feelings inside of you from like an interaction or a situation that you're trying to process and like venting. There's a reason we use that terminology for it. Like think of like a tea kettle where like, you know, or like your Instapot, your, your pressure cooker, where you like release the steam and it's just like, so then you can actually like take the lid off safely and like start Mm. examining the contents. Um, that is like, still within the realm of healthy. Like it it is like, we're not saying like, you can't like vent and just like, blah, like get like your feelings out and like, even like cuss and whatever, like get it all out. Like when you're like feeling a big thing, like that's actually not quite the same thing as like, in my mind, when I like try to conceptualize shit talking, it's more like habitual. It's almost like a pattern of behavior that starts to become predictable in yourself or in another person. If you're observing it of like, you're like you said, it's like a looping, like you just kind of get stuck in this space of like constantly like ruminating and going over and over and over whatever this thing is that it is you're complaining about. Right. And I also think it's all information, right? Because I was sitting here and I go, well, you know, when we're looking at a pattern and this is all like so much of unlearning is actually trying to identify what is a pattern? What are one-off situations? What are things that are linked to something deeper? What are just situational things that happen to me? Right. So you're trying to kind of become discretionary. You're trying to become that discerner of like truth and, and different patterns and what those patterns mean. And it does take a lot of work and it takes a lot of like active participation. So if we're talking about the difference between venting and where it kind of turns in, I I genuinely would get curious, why would venting be such a pattern? And why would you have to vent all the time? Right? Like why, if you're like, no, 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 Jamie, like I, I genuinely, I get to the point so often that like, I do, I have to vent. And it's like, well, now we're talking about emotional processing. Now we're talking about the situation that you're embedded in, right? Is it a relationship that's like really tumultuous? Is it a situation where you're unheard or neglected, right? Like all of these things are really information points for you, right? One of two situations possibly going on, one being that the situation itself might need to change. Mm. Like if you have to be venting this often about something like a toxic work situation and that like those coworkers or that boss that's like literally constantly bullying you and like you genuinely deserve to vent feelings like that out because that is like not okay for you to be being treated in, in a toxic, hurtful way. So like, no, one's going to sit here and tell you like, keep it to yourself. Like you're (laughs) venting too much. Like, that's not what we're saying. But so it's like the, the information in that situation might be like, okay, this is like not a safe, healthy environment for you anymore. We need to start coming up with an exit strategy. The other thing that might be going on is like just a lack of skills like you said, like the emotional processing skills of, do you need to learn some skills on how to actually like process through these emotions and get them out of your body, um, and out of your mind and like basically off of your, your spinning plate all the time, um, in order so that you don't feel like you're like getting, uh, that pent up feeling all the time. Right. So like it's, it's either the situation itself is actually needs to change, or maybe in your life, you just need more skills to Mm. actually learn how to do the process. Right. I like the idea of like trying to ask yourself like the origin story of where this is coming from, because I sit here and I go, okay, so if it's venting, sure. 
if it's shit talking, I genuinely wonder if it's a perception issue, right? If you're saying, no, 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 I just need to vent. Like if I look at you, see, and I'm like, oh my God, I just had the most stressful like afternoon. Do you mind if I just vent? Obviously emotional consent. We'll probably do a whole episode on emotional consent, but that's what I'm just speaking to right there. If I ask her like, would you hold space for the venting? And she is able to, right? So if you're like, yeah, let's like, let's just do a vent set. And I talked to her about like how overwhelming that afternoon was. That's like, that's like the, the venting. And I, and you'd have to be very like aware of the way you're actually expressing that to the other person. Because if you think about it, where does this turn into shit talking? And it's almost like the perception or the origin of the problem, because the problem can just exist. This is where it's interesting. And this is like pretty intricate work here. So just a little bit warning. This is pretty like heavy, like intricate psychological work, but I definitely think you guys can handle it. I'm talking about like the idea of when we're looking at problems that happen, right? Is traffic happening because you're getting punished or is it just an external truth that exists and it's just happening and you are allowed to vent about that frustration? Like if I just sat in two hours of traffic, like I know you're going to laugh at the CA sitting here like cracking up because this is something one that of my biggest, one of my biggest triggers. <laughs> yes. And so there have been times where CA has like gotten on the, gotten on the, you know, the line and she's like, I just have to vent. I'm so frustrated. And that's totally valid. But the thing is, is like, how are we conceptualizing the, the origin of that pain? Because they, the, by the way, these can coexist, but the origin of the pain is that traffic exists. And sometimes that's completely out of our control. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't get the luxury to predict a two hour standstill traffic. Okay. Right. And when it possibly turns into shit talking and by these, by the way, these two can blend. And if you're watching me, I'm twisting those in together, but these two can blend. And so if it turns into shit talking, you're turning the origin almost into a projection of like why this is so frustrating. And so for example, I can vent about traffic. And if it turns into, I'm starting to vent about traffic. I'm like, oh my God, I just stood in two hours of traffic and you will not believe my partner. Mm -hmm. Right. And you sit there and you're like, it's all his fault. I told him to take that exit. I told him to do this. I told him to do that. And I get it. And I, I understand, believe me, I'm not trying to say this is like the super harmful thing, but like genuinely, if I sit there and I go, the traffic was going to happen anyways. Mm -hmm. And now you're just angry and you want that anger to find a place. That's not just this like cloud, right? Cloud is like the, 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 the universe collude against you for a two hour chance, like standstill traffic. Not really sure that happened, but it, it, it did happen, right? So you're allowed to process the stress about that, but genuinely shit talking turns into I'm angry. It has to be an origin story from an, from a, an energy of a person. And therefore I'm going to basically say that this is all coming from that person. And so that's why I'm saying those two things can coexist. You can be angry about traffic and maybe your partner kind of made a couple of misjudgments or whatever. And you're like, oh my God, that's okay. Mm -hmm. But we have to ask ourselves, where's the anger coming from? Because there have been many times and I'm going to like tell on myself right now, there have been many times where I got into like a vent session. And then I basically started to turn that vent session into like shit talking 
And I would like be talking to my partner, but I'm like blaming my partner. I'm like, but see, because of you. And Mm -hmm. I start changing the energy only as he was responsible for this whole, like, you know, the rain at our camping trip or something. Right. Right. I will sometimes catch myself do. I will literally sometimes be in the middle of being like, but you, you were this, you were the genius that said, let's go camping on the, on that weekend. And like you, like you could have been a little bit more mindful of that. Right. And I sit there and I go, there have been times where I've actually stopped myself and been like, hold on. Hold that thought. <laughs> hold, hold on. Wait. And I could hear myself wanting so desperately to it, to turn into his own responsibility. And I would be like, wait a second, I'm actually not angry at you. Mm -hmm. That this is why I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not trying to chew my horn. I'm not trying to chew my horn, but that is not easy. You catching yourself, turning the energy into something else. Mm -hmm. That is a hard catch. That is a hard catch. And it doesn't always happen in the moment, but it is a hard catch because what you're doing is you're noticing, Ooh, I can hear my like processing changing into Mm -hmm. I'm blame. Like I'm blaming, I'm like shaming, I'm guilting them into like, Mm -hmm. they have to be responsible. Like they have to be responsible for my pain. And it's that concept of like, it exists. The rain exists. The traffic exists, Mm -hmm. whether or not that person had everything worked out with you kind of, I don't want to say is irrelevant, but like possibly isn't the person, like the precipitant, it isn't possibly the catalyst of the anger or yeah. the pain. So mm-hmm. that is a higher level skill that does take a lot of work to catch mm-hmm. ourselves doing. So what it looks like is I would be in the middle of it. And I would be like, wait a second. I do need to step back. I need to take a moment and I need to acknowledge that I don't think I'm like actually as angry as I think I am at you. Mm-hmm. I'm super angry that it rained the whole day. Mm-hmm. But do you yeah. see what that happens in that moment is I'm holding space and I'm changing the narrative that I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And I'm turning it into, oh, I'm placing the energy in the right compartment. Yeah. And that is, like you said, that's kind of, uh, it's a very like nuanced technical skill to be able to hear that change happen within yourself and hear the tone of your voice changing and hear the choice of words that you're using and to be able to catch it. And like you said, sometimes you might not catch it in the moment. Mm -mm. You might play out a whole entire argument and it might be really upsetting and there's a lot of fallout. Um, and it's still all is not lost because you can still reprocess it and re-identify that actual, you know, source of discomfort and go back to that person and, and, and bring it up and say, I really let out way too much anger, like at you. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. actually about you. And, you know, and we can talk about reconciliation and, and like real like remorse. That's its own episode. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I, I think that is, it it's um it's tone is part of it right like hearing hearing and understanding like the difference between the venting and the shit talking and also like um frequency and and how much like if you are like literally looping and you hear yourself saying the same things like over and over and over again 
you're probably in a shit talking loop. Um, it's like, it's one of the telltale signs is like, if you literally like, just like cannot let something go and you just like keep saying a particular like phrase over and over again, or there's like a very specific thing that's just like all the time, um, that for, for me anyway, and I think it probably is broadly applicable, like, that's when I know that I've like ventured into that realm a little bit because I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's just like this thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's not productive. And so um, I think another one of the things for me, that's kind of like an indicator is if it's like, if there's no problem solving entity whatsoever to this particular like vent session or whatever, if it's literally just like, and, and again, so when you're venting, you're not in problem solving mode yet, which is why I really have to make sure that we're making that clarification. Usually when you're venting, that's just like the release of like the frustration, but then like from there, you should be able to, or I want to use the word should. It's like, that's one of my flag words. No, I get one of my flag words, but like the next step one, would be occurring. Yeah. The next best step moving forward after you vented out whatever feelings needed to come out, whatever situation it is that you're, you're processing. The next logical step is moving into some sort of problem solving state or resolution state, right? Like we're going to try to resolve whatever just came out in whatever capacity that we can. So that's how, you know, you're moving into like a processing phase, but if you go through the vent and then you loop back and you go through it again and you go through it again and you keep doing that. That's like, you're not moving forward in the process. And so for me, that's what I'm always trying to like, listen for is when I'm, when I'm the person that somebody is processing with, I'm going to listen in for that shift to happen. If I hear them shift into trying to actually resolve and like, think about what this means for them moving forward or how they can change things or whatever. And if I don't hear that shift happen, I might suggest it. Um, and I might say, do you think you're ready to like, think about some ways to solve this problem yet? Or are you still just, are the feelings just too fresh, mm-hmm. you know? Cause maybe that's what it is too. Like if right, some right. things, and I don't I don't want to downplay this. Like, I'm not saying, you know what, vent about something for five minutes, the clock is on and then you're done. You don't get to keep venting about it. Like, I don't want to say that I'm not saying that because some things are huge. Right. And some of the things that we have to process and get through can take, well, I'm living proof literal years to actually get all the way through like the depth of something that we have to process. So I'm not going to sit here and try to downplay this at all. Um, some things really do take a long time to actually like Mm -hmm. get all the way through before you can like really come to like a resolution about something. And so I want to make sure I point that out, but, um, I think there's something to be said about kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm like picturing like directionals, right? Like what direction is your process moving? And it can, it, it can take a long time to get to that eventual goal. Right. But like, is everything that like you're dealing with in this verbal processing and as it's coming up in these conversations or whatever, is it eventually moving in the direction of resolution mm. or is it stagnant? is the direction of these words just stacking on top of itself and just looping and looping and looping. Yes. I absolutely think that that's actually what came to my mind when you were talking. I was like, how do we stay stuck 
when we have these narratives, and this is why it's kind of cool that we're framing it with like shit talking. And I was thinking about complaining and, you know, I'm sure we've all had that friend and sometimes we're going to be like, oh God, it was us like, yikes. Um, But we've had that friend or maybe that like acquaintance that like every time, every time you could almost predict that they would bring up like their workplace or their parents or their boyfriend or their partner, like whatever. And you would be like, just wait, it's about to happen. Like, they're just gonna, they're gonna talk about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, you know, it kind of sounds like insensitive that someone's like, but this is what we talk about with the loop. This is why it's like, if you know that every single time, like you, you've apparently are a safe enough person to, to vent to. Right. But every single time you see that person, they complain to you about their boyfriend yeah, there's probably going to eventually be a conversation where you're like, well, what are you doing about this? What's happening? Right. And that, Mm -hmm. and that's the thing is people are like, well, I don't have a choice, right? He pays my rent or he does this and he does that. And it's like, this is why it's a really tricky conversation because there are some serious, like, we don't want to skirt over these issues. We don't Mm want to like skip Mm -hmm. them because there are some issues where people are like, I kind of am in a situation where like I'm stuck. So the only thing I can do about it is complain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one of the huge reasons I was, when we were thinking about this topic, I was trying to understand like why we do it. Right. I was trying to answer this question of like, why do people get stuck in this, in this phase of shit talking? And that was one of the ones that came up for me is actual genuine powerlessness. If you are like genuinely in a situation that you look around and you feel just utterly powerless to make any type of forward movement or change at all to the situation, then the only thing left for you is to just complain about that situation. And I mean, my brain right now, of course, is like zoomed way out and it's going super macro meta, like existential. Like, I mean, I'm guilty of that. Like I find myself complaining about sort of like major, major life issues and like, you know, huge systemic problems that like, we're, we're just a cog in a wheel stuck in because I feel so powerlessness Mm. to make any sort of change. Like, what can I do? Like, I'm literally one person. What can I do about climate change? I'm literally one person. What can I do about, you know, capitalism, oligarchy, whatever, like my, my, my particular um, pedestals that I like to get up and rant about, but like, I feel like that's the only thing I can do. And that's, you know, we, that's a big topic. Like those huge topics are, you know, I have to keep myself grounded and like, there are small steps we can make. I'm not trying to, hopefully I didn't trigger anybody's like, no, no, like trauma or anything with that. Oh yeah. I mean the big systems. Yeah. 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 But like, um, (laughs) that was one of the things that came up with me, but it can go smaller, right? Like you can be stuck in a family situation. You can be stuck in a relationship that, um, it, it just feels very, you're feeling trapped in this particular dynamic or even a work situation. Like I, I need this paycheck. I, otherwise I'm not going to make my bills by the end of the month. So like, what else am I supposed to do? You know, I, I get that. And I understand that like genuine powerlessness is one of the main reasons why people do get stuck in that. Mm. I think it's, it actually speaks to like, well, if our attempts for gaining back any sense of authority over our lives is speaking 
that this is an injustice. Like, and I think if you were talking about the metaphysical stuff, like you're right, like that's why we feel like we have to go through these events or like maybe we start to talking certain systems or, you know, we, you know, or we do it with a person because it's so clearly not functioning that you are feeling so powerless to actually go against it. And the only power that you can feel like actually over the situation is to kind of rage against the machine, right? Mm-hmm. As you basically are saying, mm-hmm. I have to rage and I have to shit talk and I have to like complain. And it's like, I want, I just want, I just want everyone who's listening to, to really sit with this idea of like, we, I don't even want to talk about like, the, I don't want to talk about this with like shame. I really right. just, I just want you to hear that because this is a very common process in our healing. So remember if we, if any process in our healing is constantly looked at with shame, we are going to kind of that, that, that can possibly create a barrier right now. We're like, Oh, well, I'm never going to be good enough. And might as well like just get stuck here. Right. And I might as well just keep complaining. Right. But if we're looking at actual strategies, like, cause BNCA, like we really are like, we want to give you something in this episode that can, can give you some kind of negotiation, um, is we do have instances where you possibly truly don't have the power to change this in an imminent way. Okay. There could be possibly on the horizon an opportunity to, to get there, but Mm -hmm. in this current moment, you might not have the power to immediately change the system that is possibly oppressing or, or radically changing your mood every day because they're, you know, basically throwing stuff at you all the time. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Truly, what we think is powerful is also like holding space for layers on like beyond just, okay, we vented, we maybe shit talked, we complained a little bit, maybe a lot, maybe we looped it for a year, right? But it's like, okay, but if we're really talking about where we're getting to the core part of where it's hurting this is where we are, where me and Sierra are like labeling this as this is the true pain processing. It's the difference between surface level processing and like deep intrinsic processing. Yeah. Right? This is, it has so much to do with like where your internal is oriented, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's what I was like, when I was thinking about like the directional thing, it's like when the inside our minds, as we're making these processes, our minds and our hearts, like our inner self is it connected with the like understanding of where this is coming from? It's like the source of like where all of this stuff is, is coming from. And that can work on the macro and the micro and identifying those pain points, like going actually in there and listening in closely and actually identifying the pain point behind this vent session or shit talking session is the skill. And like, this is the actual strategy that we're hoping to like help you guys moving forward with. Right. And I think of, I was trying to find this here. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find, Oh, I mean, this is probably one of the the quotes, but I was immediately thinking about Victor Frankl, which if anyone knows his story, you know, he, it's actually a very, very, very rough story. He was in the concentration camps and, you know, in world war two and, um, his story is incredible, but 
I, I do think about this when I hear powerlessness and your search for mm-hmm. this. I mean, I have heard some criticism on it. So by the way, I get that there's an, the counterpoint of some of Viktor Frankl's work, but I do think there is some profound information found in his work, which is this connection when you are in a system that is literally one of the most, if not the pinnacle of oppression, when we think of what happened to this entire ethnic group that like, it was just terrible, 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 tragic things that were occurring. And when you hear Viktor Frankl, like talk about how he realized that no one can ever take like my internal work, like that is sacred. And the way I perceive my life and the way I perceive my relationships, no one, no one can take that from me, which is seriously powerful, but it's, it's, that's what we're talking about. It's the perception of your freedom and your ability to move, even if you're in an oppressive system. Right. And that's like a tricky, tricky, tricky part for people. I was going to read the quote, um, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. I think that's really powerful because think about like, we're sitting in like passively a really rough workplace, right? And we can sit there and we can collude with them and we can become part of them, right? And we can become part of the... um the oppression, right? We can bring in other people and hurt other people, right? And we can become part of the problem. Or we can say to the, you know, I'm just going to show up and I'm going to do my work. I'm not going to be part of the gossip. I'm not going to be part of the collusion. I'm not going to be part of the chaos that occurs in my workplace. I'm going to show up. I have to make a paycheck. I will show up. I will do my job. And that's what I'm going to do. That's it. I will choose my response. I do not have to go even though they're provoking me into like, oh, come on, you know, don't be, don't, you know, everyone has a sense of humor. Don't worry about us picking fun at the new guy. And you're like, I'm just here to do my job. Right. Right. And it's that concept of like, in your authenticity, in your authenticity, is there like, how do I want to put this? It's this, it's this movement between do I align with the system that's trying to get me down Mm -hmm. or do I in the best way possible while trying to keep myself safe, right? Mm -hmm. Honor my response, honor the way I respond to that problem. And I think this does speak a lot to like shit talking because remember, we're talking about it from a lot of personal stuff, but also this happens in like sociological groups, right? We've all been exposed to groups that like collectively shit talk. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like very easy to just find yourself. Oh yeah. Let's shit talk together. And like, I'm just going to be part of this. And I genuinely am telling you, like the more you're aware of like how you want to show up to your environment, that's going to be a stimuli that presents to you. And that's what he's speaking to in that quote. There's a space there. Mm -hmm. There's a space where you get to choose how you're going to show up to that experience. 
Mm-hmm. And there is, there is a lot of power because that does change the way you interact with your environment. It changes the social groups that align with you because guess what? The mean girls aren't going to want to be your friend, but right. guess what? Jim and Harry over here who are like the goofballs that are like super, like they don't tolerate shit talking either. And they like, see you in your genuine, in your genuine power, in your genuine space. Right. Which is beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful, authentic connection, even possibly in an oppressive workplace, right? It's a beautiful connection that you guys can have. It's like a beautiful triad of of authenticity. So I guess what I'm saying is when we're going back to the original thought of like pain processing, it's like, I want you to hear, we can kind of choose the lens we take on here, right? Do we choose the lens of no? I'm powerless. I will stay complaining. I will stay in that loop. Mm -hmm. Or do we go deeper? Do we go deeper and say, wait, hold on. By aligning with this system or continuing to complain or continuing to shit talk while other people shit talk, I'm actually, I'm curating my environment. My environment is slowly being like, now everybody's shit talking and everybody complains too. And I don't want to be hearing that either. Right. And you're like, wait a second how is there a, how is there a shift? How do people get out of that? Right. And I would say, if you go deep enough, you're going to feel that call to action. And you're going to say, wait, I know that I am in a powerless situation. And in, in this situation, can I craft my output? Like, can I craft my external interactions with people So I'm not actually colluding or looping my pain back on itself. And I can identify the pain that this is connected to, because obviously this connect this, like we said, if this is connected to powerlessness, like I'm in a family system that doesn't allow me to talk, or I have, we have some younger listeners. Like if you still live at home and we have, you know, the 20 year old, that's like, literally can't move out of my house. And my mom is so harmful to me. And like, she's so emotionally abusive. Right. And I sit there and I go, it might not be safe for you to just pack up and get in a car. Right. That Mm -hmm. might not be the safest option. And internally to get to that deep, like almost the nerve to hit that nerve and say, wait, instead of just looping the complaining, I can actually gain power in how I'm seeing myself show up to these situations, right? I don't have to like align with the family narrative of you invited me to a conflict. I'm going to arrive and I am going to show up like all defenses up. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I know this is kind of, it's almost like the, the thought that was coming to my mind and I'm going to play this out. (laughs) Let's see if this works was uh, I was thinking about like internal great, gray rocking or yellow rocking, like Mm, where if you're familiar with that term, it's like, um, it's a, I think we, did we touch on this in one of our previous episodes? I can't, I literally cannot. Didn't we like, I don't think we made up gray rocking, but we thought we did. No, we gray came up with something. Gray sheep. We we. Oh, okay, no, because I think gray rocking. No, is an um, thing, gray but... rocking is where like if you're in like a relationship with somebody who is kind of like a known manipulator and is trying to get like an emotional rise out of you as like ammo to you know whatever 
somehow or another manipulate you with. Um, gray rocking is where you just like, you have to interact with this person. Like you're in a situation where like you are forced to interact with them, but you don't want to give them that like emotional feedback that they're trying to pull out of you. Mm. The gray rocking is just where you just, you show up, but you don't give them anything. You know, you're just blank face, neutral tone. And when they, they just keep baiting you and baiting you and you just never take the bait and you just stay neutral, right? Right. Yellow rocking is similar where um, you don't give them the emotional like bait that they want. You don't take the bait, um, but you give them something else like mm. neutral or positive. Like, oh yeah, like aren't the trees here beautiful? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, you just kind of like go like a little more positive with it um, rather than just like absolutely blank. But what I was thinking of with this concept is like when this stimuli or stimulus comes at you and you are in a place of genuine powerlessness to like change that situation in any sort of like immediate, like practical way, you can gray rock the stimulus, right? Mm -hmm. So like you can, like, as it comes in, you can just go, okay, we're not going to engage with the with the bait essentially of like, this thing is like, if I've, you're not watching us, like my hand is like, I've got one hand up like a wall and the other one's like hitting it. Right. So like the stimulus is coming in and it's going to try to pull you into that loop of complaining and shit talking and whatever. Um, and you're going to just, you can recognize it and acknowledge it and say, okay, I acknowledge that this situation awakens that sense of powerlessness inside of me. And because that's such an uncomfortable feeling for me, I don't feel like engaging with that today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to shift my focus to whatever other parts of my life I can engage with that allow me to feel a sense of autonomy and authority. Mm -hmm. Okay. Actually, I think this touches on a really good point. It's this moment of that actually does feel powerful though, which is weird because when you're in an oppressive system, And they're inviting you into looping into that powerlessness. Like, hey, you're invited to keep being like us, right? Mm -hmm. And it is, it's easy to just sit there and complain and be like, yeah. Or especially in very manipulative systems, they'll like invite you to be the triangulator. Like, hey, do you want to like hate her? And you're like, yeah, I'll hate her, but I don't realize I hate you. Like it's not hate you, but you know what I'm saying. Um, But I remember, I, I think I told this story Maybe I didn't tell this story. Um, I keep thinking I told this story. There was this moment when I was in like this workplace and I'm not going to like go into all the details, but I was in a workplace and I had a supervisor that called me in, refused to listen to my side of the story. We had this like disagreement on the floor, um, didn't want to hold space for the narrative, just kind of wanted to like steamroll over me wasn't really a meeting just wanted to like assert Hmm. the dominance and I could feel my body like literally shutting down like I knew I could feel the powerlessness I literally could feel like oh like I'm not gonna go into this I'm not going to just like like I wanted to literally just like word vomit on this person and you know, whatever would have come out of my mouth. I don't know. Maybe I would have been, you know, talking about her. Maybe I would have been complaining about the job. I don't know what I would have been doing, but 
I remember it was such a, this is why I remember it being a powerful moment for me because I saw what was going on. There was a complete steamrolling. I was not being heard. It was a workplace that wasn't the healthiest workplace ever. Um, there was a lot of problems going on. Um, I was in a powerless situation because I didn't have a lot of choice. I had to meet a specific criteria. Like there was a whole story there, but I couldn't really immediately leave. Right. Mm -hmm. And I look back and I'm like, when I was in that meeting, I looked at, you know, my superior and I said, I'm going to need a minute because I'm not in a great place to give you a response. Like she, she paused and like waited for a response. And I said, I'm going to need a minute because I'm not feeling comfortable. Like I'm feeling escalated and I want to take a second to provide a response. So I'm probably going to need, you know, to come back to this conversation. I'll never forget what happened because this is why I tell people be very aware because what that feels like is it, it's going to feel like a power play to them. Especially if they have a specific approach to interactions. Okay. So I remember what came out of their mouth was what makes you think you can just not talk at a meeting with your manager? That's what they said. It was literally like a pair. Yeah. It was like, what yeah. makes you think yeah, 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 yeah. that you can just like, because I was like, I'm going to need to leave. Like, I literally said, this is what, because I think it was like, what makes you think you can just leave. And I didn't leave. I said, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to need to, like, I think I was like, I think I'm going to need to step back and probably step out for a second and come back to this conversation. That's what I said to her. And it was met with what makes you think you can just like walk out of here. And it was already like overinflated because what I had said was like, I, I literally even asked, I was like, I just, I'm expressing to you what I need right now. And that felt super powerful. And it was met with an immediate, like, what makes you think you have a say basically. Mm. And why I'm telling people this in relationship to the powerless dynamic and what changes this into processing is first of all, it takes a lot of skill to realize what's occurring and how you're basically getting invited into like this very toxic interaction. Right. And why I was embedded in a toxic system, guys, like this was not a healthy environment for me. And did I feel power in that moment? Yeah. Even though her response was like complete bullshit, it didn't matter. I realized like that moment was me speaking to my actual true authentic need. And she saw that need as a power play. And that told See, me all I needed to know. What's interesting though, is when you said, did I feel powerful in that moment? Yes. But what you had power over was not her, no, yourself. Exactly. And she was trying to have power over you and herself, whatever, but like she wanted power over all of it. And it's not that you were trying to, uh, an actual power play would have been shifting and then you right. trying to get power over her. And that's not what you were doing. Yeah. You were literally just trying to have power over your own self and that enough, like even that was a threat. And like she told on herself, right? Like she goes, oh, well, what makes you think? Well, that's her saying that like, she thinks that she has power over you and literally owns your body that you're not allowed to walk out or 
whatever. So that's well, but like, I think this is a good point to your own pain processing because for so many people, like when you sit there and I could even, I could have walked, I I think I did walk away and I was like, did I do the wrong thing? Like I would self doubt. And I was like, did, was that a wrong choice for me to advocate for myself? And this is why it's hard because we get to this point where we don't actually process what's occurring. So like, you come out of a shit talking session, you come out of like a situation where like a bunch of your friends were like, really, like something was going on and you're like, whoa. And many times it's like dismissed. Like we don't take that seriously. And we're like, I don't know, that's how they are. Right. And I go, well, that's a really good excuse to never change is just to tell, tell someone that I have basically pinpointed you into this like personality trait that like, you're just going to be the complainer. And like, I guess, I guess I just got to tolerate it. And I sit there and I go, we are kind of talking about power because if you did show up to that friend group and you said, and they're like, why, why are you not laughing? And you're sitting there and you're like, I, I genuinely don't think it's funny. Right. Oh, look at you high and mighty. Right. It's like, they're trying to make you feel like your power is a threat. Like you in your own power, you in your own authenticity is a threat. And all you're saying is I'm not going to, to collude or whatever this is with this narrative that you're inviting me to do. Right. Or, I mean, even in my case with the manager or whatever, I realized like in that system, it was almost like, it was like, to me, I mean, I kind of like, I'm looking at it from like many, this is a long time ago, but I look at it through this lens of like, someone who wants to fight gets annoyed when you don't fight. (laughs) Right. So if I'm looking to fight with you totally, and then you say, oh, actually, um, I'm not going to arrive. I'm not going to show up to this. Mm -hmm. And then they come at you like, how dare you? Or they go at your character. Oh, you're a coward. Or how dare you not defend yourself? Like only a wussy would do that. Right. And I'm like basically trying to spin the narrative. Right. But what I'm really saying is I'm angry that you didn't play into my game Mm -hmm. and you held your power strong. So what I'm really speaking to, and I know this is like very lengthy, but this concept of your power actually comes from that moment, even in the oppressive state. Yes. It comes with that deep, intrinsic connection to what are, what's happening, mm-hmm. what's occurring. Do I want to be stuck in a loop of like, I'm just going to go home and shit talk my boss to my partner? Or am I going to go home and be like, you won't believe what happened. She got upset when I stood up for myself mm-hmm. and that felt good. Yeah, because this is, this is really interesting because what you're saying is like, uh, when you're in a system that feels oppressive, whether it's micro or macro, you stepping into your own authority might not actually do anything to change the oppressor. Mm -mm. But what it does is it changes everything about how you're processing this internally. So like you standing up to, you know, your, your boss or your manager, um, 
didn't change your manager. Like I'm sure she still went on to talk to people that, you know, the other employees that way. And she probably continued to shit talk you behind your back or whatever. Like you didn't actually change her, AKA the oppressive system, but you were able to change your own process and your own perspective walking out of that situation. And do so in what is a healthier way internally, long-term, rather than just continuing to endure the oppression and just shit-talking about it and enduring and then shit-talking and enduring and then shit-talking. It's like, well, okay, or we can try to shift our internal perspective in whatever way possible. So that's I would it. say that's part of this entire process of growth is this is a very key point for people to actually arrive to is that when they can, when they can conceptualize that their journey is actually less about, I just got to get that right job. I just got to get that right family system. You really got to understand that like, we are always like pelted with systems that are unhealthy. Okay. If we happen to have a healthy workplace, you could get laid off and you could find a new job and that could be another time, right? Like, do you see what I'm saying? It's like, it's actually less about, we have to find the perfect thing. Obviously I am a huge advocate of like that big inner circle, your close friends, your partner. I am a huge advocate of curating those, (laughs) those systems. I am a big advocate because that's a huge, huge factor in your own healing and whether or not that's going to feel like, um, stagnant or not, like whether or not you're going to be able to move forward. And at the same time, when we're looking at these like outside systems or like friend groups that maybe they're more acquaintances and they're not that close to you or whatever, when we look at that, it's like, you're not going to be able to change the entire friend group. Okay. If the entire friend group has a propensity to basically you go on vacation and you're like, Oh my God, I spent four days. And like, all it was, was everybody should talking their boyfriends and girlfriends and everyone just like, doom scrolling and getting drunk. And I was like, okay, well that's on you to understand. Like you're now realizing like you don't have to change their habits, Mm -hmm. but what you do have to do is you have to change your habit of how you show up to their pattern. And when you were talking about the like inner circle thing, I was thinking about how that's another strategy. If this is something you're trying to If you're trying to unlearn shit talking or like, you know, diminish how often you loop yourself into it, um, because again, it's, this isn't a shame thing. I'm not going to sit here and say like, don't ever shit talk or you're a terrible person. Like, obviously like we all do it. Um, and I actually think that there is a time and a place for it and a time and a space for it to a, to a degree, right? Like it's all about, it's all about balance. Um, it's all about nuance. So, but like, if, if you are trying to get unstuck and you are trying to actually incorporate more like deep pain processing and emotional processing into your practice moving forward as a person. Um, one of the ways that you can do that is by curating that inner circle Mm -hmm. and choosing people to process things with that are healthy, safe processors, right? Like, so like they are good processors like within themselves and so therefore they're going to be more likely to like catch, like their ears going to catch your mm. loops, Right. So that's kind of what I was saying. Like, that's 
sometimes what I do when someone's processing with me and I, and I catch it, I'll hear the loop and I'll go, I am hearing you like we're, we're revisiting the same thing. And I am, you know, and it's not from a shame place at all. I'm not going to see her and go, you're repeating yourself. Like, are you dumb? Um, like, no, it's, but I'll be like, Hey, I'm, I'm noticing that you're feeling stuck. Like this is sounding like you're stuck in this little space here. Is there something that you feel like you can do to, to like get out of the the rut? Like, is there, is there, you know, and I'm going to suggest that because that's my internal processing. My, my process is able to try to apply itself. When I hear other people start talking about their problems, my processing is just going to like my processor. If my brain is a processor, their data is going to come into it and it's going to process it in a certain way. And for me, it is eventually going to get into the direction of resolution because that's kind of the way that my brain is oriented. And if I'm hearing somebody and their words are not going in that direction at all, it's just stuck on a Ferris wheel. That's where my processor is going to go. I'm not hearing any direction here. Like, do you need help with strategies or do you just, like I said, is is feelings too fresh? So curating like your people, right? Like who do you bring your problems to? Because if you're in a group of shit talkers, then that's what you're going to get. And that is, you know, that is, that is what it is. And sometimes this is kind of like, uh, you might be in a family that's like you, a lot of people in your family are just kind of like known shit talkers, you know, they get on the phone with each other and they just start complaining. Oh, and the, the price, I guess this and <laughs> cousin Susie that, and my neighbor, oh my gosh, with the dogs again, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like if that's just like, what you've grown up hearing. And that's just kind of like who is around you. Um, that might be part of it. Right. So like find yourself people that, um, feel kind of like safer Mm. to process things with. And I don't know how, how can you identify that? Sometimes that could be hard. It's like, how do I even find somebody that like is good at processing? Well, also you would be mindful of like the way they talk, like, unabated like if you know that like when you meet them and you never hear them like true like I mean maybe they'll like have vent sessions or something but you're Mm -hmm. like yeah I rarely actually hear them being like cycling or like I don't hear like maybe you hear obviously processing of information but you're like I don't really hear that you know that's a good cue because that means that Mm -hmm. most likely they don't see it as like useful or they see it in a deeper connected way um but I would say like yeah I was going to say, this is, um, sometimes you just, you really, you'll, you'll kind of like know it when you hear it, the difference between somebody who is a, a processor versus a complainer is like the very first thing that came to me is like something I learned early on in motherhood is you can very easily tell the difference between parents who are processing the difficulty of parenthood. Cause let me just be the first one to always and every time say how hard parenting is. I have four children. And it is extremely difficult and it is extremely important that you have people that you can process to and like get some of that, like those hard conversations out about how hard some parts of parenting are. Um, but I could always hear the difference between somebody who was like, just like genuinely like needing to like vent about a difficult situation that they were experiencing with their kid or whatever, versus the people who were like, just absolutely like resolved to complain forever about whatever it was, you know, like 
my kid, you know, oh my gosh. And like, all they do is just like constantly complain about this one kid or constantly complain about how tired they are now. They're not getting any sleep. And you're like, okay, but like, are you, you know, cause especially with the sleep one, man, like when people start complaining to me about sleep, I get it because in early parenthood, sleep is scarce. And I'm going to say, what can be done about that? Can you sneak naps in? Can your, can you and your partner work out like a different sleep strategy? Like is, does your kid need help? Like with strategies for them falling asleep? Do they need the sound machine? Do they need, I'm going to do everything in my power to help this person solve the sleep problem. But if they're just going to be like, no, nothing works, whatever. And then every time you're around them, they're still constantly complaining about the sleep. Like, I don't know. I don't want to fixate on that one because sleep is actually kind of like, can be truly difficult for some people, but I don't know. For me, like in early motherhood, my ear was very quickly able to tell the difference between people who just genuinely were like, oh, this part of parenthood is so hard. Yeah. Um, versus like, I hate being a parent. <laughs> I don't know. Which, by the way, like I, parenting is one of those things where it's super hard. But like, I was just thinking about like, if I sat there and vented, like, you won't believe my night, I didn't get any sleep three of the kids were vomiting and then, you know, the dog started barking because it was lightning storm and then everyone was awake. And I was just like running from toilet to garbage can to, to mop to whatever. And you're sitting there and you're hearing it and you're like, this is painful. Like this is very stressful and this is a lot of pain. Okay. That's more of a vent session. But if I was like that little piece of shit, he had the audacity to wake me up Mm-hmm. And he puked on me and I literally screamed right in his face and said, how dare you, you know where the toilet is, right? Okay. That's very different. Mm-hmm. Very different because what I'm doing is it's similar to what we were talking about the traffic. I'm channeling my anger, yeah. not over the existence that illness is in my house, but I am channeling my anger into that child and blaming that child and then shit talking that child right the next day right okay mm-hmm. that is why we like to speak in examples because people are like well what does that actually sound like and i'm like it sounds like that it sounds like you're channeling it and you're like blaming it and then you're looping it and you're like maybe your child has like a dairy allergy and you're like this kid shits every day what the hell is his problem? Right. And you realize like every single day I hear my, I hear my friend talk about this kid, like shitting his pants and you sit there and you're now doing what you were saying earlier. Maybe, maybe that maybe there's a medical problem. Right. But if I get stuck in the shit, shit talking loop, it's their problem. I don't got to figure like, I don't, I don't have any responsibility, but as a parent, this is the problem. You actually do have a radical responsibility to help that child get connected to resources that they don't have at five years old. Right. And so that's a tricky part, but like, I do think it's important for our listeners to hear the difference between what does this actually look like? You know, are we, are we processing stress to a safe person, which is my best friend, Mm -hmm. or am I literally projecting that anger into a person that it's not there. That wasn't even their responsibility. It was just something that occurred and I'm projecting that anger into them and then looping the self, the shit talking. And then when you propose a solution, I would say something like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm just so used to it all. Like at this point, and I'm like staying in that problem. Right. Right. That's what I mean. It's like when, when you talk to habitual shit talkers, you will hear their commitment to the problem. They're committed to it. Like they, they just decided that this problem is part of their life. 
and they're just going to continue to complain about it. And so sometimes I think that that is almost like, that's kind of like a learned behavior, or at least like it can become habit and it has to do with who you surround yourself with. So like, if you grew up in a family like that, or you're just constantly surrounding yourself by people who, who, you know, view the world in that way. And, and like, just kind of like constantly shit talk, that's, that's, what's going to happen. And like, they become so comfortable in the discomfort that that's just their normal. It becomes their default. And so then like, if you come in and you try to suggest an alternative reality where they don't have to feel like that, they're possibly going to reject that because well, why would they reject not- it? Because you're proposing that they have some sense of power. Right. And they're like, no, I don't have power. Right. And they want to believe that they have zero power, but this is why I flip back to the Victor Frankel thing. Mm-hmm. How would you feel power in a concentrate? Right. But like, he's speaking to, I do have power in the way I choose to interact and I have power in my internal system. I have power in my internal interaction. And this is actually where I think that the the deepest of the, the meat and potatoes of this episode is, is that I think it's the difference between what someone's seen as this is an external issue and I'm never going to be able to change the external issue. And I have basically resolved myself to the fact that this is only an external issue and I do not have any responsibility to show up in a new way, right? And I would say, yikes, because what that is, is you are now literally part of the toxic system and it's working in their favor for you to not advocate for yourself. Mm. Think about that. Mm -hmm. It's working for the toxic system for you to just resolve yourself to your powerlessness and not advocate in any way. If you go back to my example, that toxic system that I was in, it benefited them if I never advocated for myself. Mm -hmm. It benefited them because it went along with their narrative and whatever they say goes, and I don't have autonomy. So why would I speak to my autonomy? And why would I have the uh, um, audacity? Why would I have the audacity to hold emotional space when I don't feel like I have a safe enough place to express my emotions. Right. Why do I have the audacity to do that? And that's on self-advocacy and that's on your own belief in your own power. So when I say it's the meat and potatoes, CA, it, it is the meat and potatoes because it's the difference between, is this an external system where I don't have a say in anything that goes on in my life or am I part of an oppressive system and I am changing the internal perception and internal mechanism that I am approaching this system in and how I'm showing up as. I mean, the foundational response to like unlearning shit talking is self-advocacy. That's like, that's the, at, at the, at the core of like how to unlearn this is that you have to move into a space where you prioritize your inner peace over these other things, external stimuli that are going on. Um, this is, this is where it's at. Like you said, like we're, we're touching on the car, the core nerve here, people. Um, this is in it, it. I was like going as rapidly as I could. I was like, cause it does it apply to micro and macro. And it does because no matter what it is that you're shit talking, what's going to happen is if you want to move into the space of processing the pain, 
that's behind the shit talking is you're going to have to identify where the real pain point is. And then you're going to have to view yourself as worthy enough to not have to constantly be dealing with that pain, like constantly be subjected to that pain. Mm. And so for some situations, you actually can like eliminate the pain altogether. You can change your situation. You can actually self-advocate, create accommodations in your life. You can, you know, get your kid off dairy or whatever it is. Like there are times when like you actually can genuinely like remove the stimuli. And that's because you moved into a a space of advocacy. Mm -hmm. You identified the pain point and you said, wow, okay. So this is the thing that is causing this like daily internal havoc inside myself. That's causing all this external verbal diarrhea every day. Like, let's see what we can do about it. And sometimes you actually can change Mm -hmm. the actual stimuli. And in those cases where you can't, you still have self-advocacy and self-power to where you go, okay, I can't change this major oppressive, whatever stimuli that's happening. So therefore I do still have power over myself and how I'm going to internally perceive this and how I'm going to externally interact with it. And Mm -hmm. that's where my power is. And so it's all coming back to, do you value yourself enough? Do you value your inner peace enough? to actually move into a space of processing the stimuli around you in a way that allows for inner peace. Mm. I actually think we could even like hold space for a second of this is a thematic lesson and we are framing it around like shit talking and like pain processing and what the layers is. But I was also thinking like the whole perception of power the whole perception of where power comes from and who has power over us and where our power comes from. Okay. This is actually at the root. Like if we talk about core concepts, core elements of things that we are actually trying to process and heal from and unlearn. If you are told your whole life that you don't have power at all, Mm -hmm. or even worse, not only do you not have power, but you're, you're like part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Like, you're intrinsically like never going to be one of us, or you're intrinsically going to be always powerless or you're intrinsically bad or something. If you're told constantly, you don't have your own power. You don't have a say, right? What are the peasants supposed to do? They just shit talk amongst us, right? They're like that stinking King. Like I literally, if I had a chance, I would cut off his head. And it's like, I make a joke, but it's not because that's most likely what it was like when you were in like serfdom or whatever, like that whole, like that whole, that whole system of historical power. Why would people be like in these cycles of like powerlessness? Because they were told you will never have power. You do not have power. You don't have the ability to relate to this way or relate to this in any sense of internal power. Right. So yes, Maybe you're in that peasant, (laughs) like if you're in a state where there is a king and you are, you feel like you're the peasant, I would say the peasant invites you to like, like into a conflict. And obviously, unless it's life or death, like we would do something different in life or death. But like, if you're like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be part of this. Like, I'm not gonna be part of this invitation for you to mock me or for you to hurt me. Right. And that in toxic systems is why this actual process, why is it easier to complain and shit talk 
versus pain process and hold, hold a space for your power because holding a space for your power actually probably creates the most discomfort when it interacts with this powers at be right. Mm. Because if you think about it, why do so many, I mean, I actually laughing because I'm sitting here like, Oh my God, the families that have shit talkers, they're always, Oh, I shouldn't say always. I don't like to say always. Um, many times they are in the, how do I want to phrase this? The, um, the shit talking is actually never happening in open air. Mm. So think about that. Like it's interesting. That's what I'm saying many times. Cause obviously there are some families that have open shit talk, yeah, but yeah. it's this concept of like, if it's in the low key, low key way, like all of the shit talking is happening behind the scenes. Right. And so everyone has this perception that everything's fine but the shit talking is consistently happening and everyone's like kind of semi-miserable with everybody else's interactions, but you're doing it in the background. And so people are like, not really sure if you're getting the authentic person that's standing in front of them or Mm. not. And so this is why people don't like to risk holding space for their power, because if they are part of a family and they know, oh my God, every time I'm at a family party and one person is absent, everybody shit talks them like, oh, that person was like, oh my God, that person's lazy. Oh my God. You won't believe that. Blah, blah, blah. They're all shit talking to one person that that's not present. We talked about this in what people pleasing or something yep. uh, or a measurement wasn't measure. I don't know. Um, both of them. Both of them. <laughs> it, yeah, probably. But I sit there and I go, okay. So when we look at why is it more dis? Why is there more like this uncomfy feeling when we're actually holding space for the pain and actually holding space for our power is that when you arise to the call to action, you're going in front of a group that will meet you with overt acceptance. Oh, okay. Yeah. I hear that it's important for you to not do that. And then, you know, covertly, they're like, did you hear she had the audacity to say that to mom? Mm-hmm. She had the audacity to say, um, mom's not allowed to call her every day. Like, that's too much. Mm-hmm. So this is why it's a natural, like, we avoid discomfort. So it's a natural, like, con- like it's a natural, what do we call that? Like a reinforcer, like it's reinforcing you yeah. not yeah. to not step into your power, right? Exactly. Because when you step into your power and you say, actually, I'm done shit talking. And I know that when I say this, I'm going to hear like <laughs> from the, from the third party that you guys are all going to shit talk me, yeah. but I am not going to collude with this power play. I'm going to hold my power. I'm going to explain to you, this is not working for me. And there are going to be consequences to my assertion of power. Mm. Yes, this is why I'm speaking to the theme of it all. Because the theme of it all connects to many of the other themes that we've covered on the podcast, which is self-advocacy and your own authority and the way you show up to these situations and the way people show up back to those responses or like those those stimuli. Like they're showing up in a way where you are going to, wants to avoid that discomfort. You're going to want to avoid that dynamic, right? So would it have been easier when I was with my manager to say, whatever you say, Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
but am I stepping into my power and am I practicing my power? No. So by me saying whatever, I'm part and I'm I'm becoming complicit in that system, right? Whether or not I'm choosing to do it or not, I am because I'm refusing to step into my power, which yeah. is so, so complex. And I just, I, we are going to wrap it up here in a second, but I just want you guys to acknowledge, like we did cover a lot of heavy stuff today. This is one of those processes that when we do, do a wide lens, it is extremely challenging to get to like some of the, the strategies that we were talking about. It's extremely challenging because it's a shaking, it's a shaking of the core. It's a shaking of the core. Like who knew that shit talking would lead to this, but yes, it's a shaking to the core. It it, it is. Um, because like you said, it, it touches on all of those really, really deep things that we are all just kind of working on together. Right. And even when you think you're like gaining skills and you are, and you're doing a good job and you're building and you're growing those muscles inside of yourself. Um, it's like, they're going to continue to get challenged and you're going to find new angles and other nuances of, of ways that like, you're, you're still other parts of you that are still needing to grow, you know, that, that you, you still want to keep working on. And so, um, yeah, you think like, oh, you know what? Like, I wish it wasn't such a shit talker anymore. Like, how do I unlearn this? And then you start digging in and you find out, wait, this has to do with my self-worth and my, my ability to advocate for myself. Do I believe in my power? Like, and all of a sudden you're like, what am I going to do? You know, like it gets like, so like the snowball rolls so fast and you're, it's, it's huge. But I think that's what kind of like our work is all about, like taking these huge things and understanding and acknowledging that these Mm. themes are present and permeating through like almost every aspect of your life. And then, so we're going to just try to like zone in and like, just kind of pinpoint a couple different things that we can work on and a couple different strategies to work on that particular thing. So like, yeah, that's the thing is like, let's encourage you and all of us together. Let's not get totally overwhelmed. It's, it's great to do the zoom out and go, Whoa, this is big. This is deep. Like this is thematic. This is amazing. Um, and not get so like overwhelmed by that, that you're like drowning in a sea of like blankets being tossed over you. Right. Like make sure you pull your head out of the blankets and like breathe for a minute and, and acknowledge that like all of these things happen in baby steps and everything is so interlinked that like, as you're gaining skills in one area, they're going to apply to new areas. So think of that positively. Right. Right, So it's like, things we have touched on in previous episodes are applying almost directly here because Mm. that's how this type of work works. Um, so it's like, it all kind of like intermingles and you're doing good work. You're doing a good job. I promise. (laughs) Yes. And that's going to lead us to the last thing we want to remind you guys. Um, because we're huge advocates of building community. Um, we believe in building that inner circle, trying to foster safe, psychologically safe, relationships. We really want that to be part of the unlearned community. So definitely check us out on Facebook. Um, I think we reminded you guys last episode of how to find that, but we are going to probably reference that, um, here and there. And occasionally probably in the next couple episodes as well, to try to build that community up, we are gonna, um, occasionally show up. There'll probably be like lives that we're going to do together. We're going to slowly build that community. And so 
why we want to remind you of this is that this work is hard and to do it completely alone and to completely isolate ourselves is extreme. It's the most extreme challenging part of it to feel like you're doing this work alone. Mm -hmm. All right. So why we did make a decision to build this community was primarily for that reason is that so many people struggle with finding people that are walking this journey. And we want to provide that place for you guys to communicate and for you guys to create a safe place together. So we are excited about that growing. We really look forward to interacting with you on there. And that is bringing us to the end. So join us on the Unlearned community on Facebook, and you will see that linked in the description. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the Unlearned Podcast or individual Instagrams at Recollected Self and CAs is at Embracing Divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our Coffee Fiend Club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called Unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work